Welcome to the My Mickey Podcast, where we explore the magic and wonder of Disney together. And now, on with the show. Welcome to the My Mickey Podcast with Nicole, Renee, and Bridget. Today, we are talking about Disney cast members. Anyone who has visited a Disney park knows the magic extends beyond the attractions, characters, and fireworks. Those cast members are a huge part of what makes a Disney vacation so special. And today, we are so lucky to have a former cast member, Dave Bonvi, joining us. He's going to talk about all of his experiences, share some fun facts and stories, and explain what it means to be a part of the Disney family. So, Dave, thanks so much for joining us on this episode. I'm excited to be here. Whenever I get a chance to wax poetically about yesteryear and my time as a Jungle Cruise skipper at Walt Disney World, I'm totally on board with that. See what I did Oh, and the puns don't stop. Didn't miss a beat there. I love it. Um, so your journey to becoming a cast member, it's really unique because you were part of the Walt Disney World College program. So for anybody who doesn't know about that, and I feel like there have to be a lot of people, what can you tell us about it? Yeah, so I learned about the Walt Disney College program from a friend of mine who participated back in 1995. My friend Mike had gone down and he said what an amazing experience that was. And so he spoke with a few of us when, we, when he got home, a few friends and said, I think you guys should do this. This is an amazing opportunity. And me as an alum, I could go back a second time. And so you'll already have me there and I can show you all the ins and outs too. And so that was my first introduction to learning what this was. It was from Mike. And I said, well, okay, if you think it's a good idea, I'll, I'll apply. And so I didn't even know how to apply. So back then, and this was a long time ago now, back in 1996, but in the fall of 95, there were uh, Disney recruiters. So a Disney recruiting agent from their college relations department came out to a local college. And so all of the kids or students in that local area, you didn't have to attend that college, could go to this one location, as uh, long as you were 18 years of age of older and attended some type of accredited institution of higher learning. I think it was also open to those who had graduated within the last 12 months too. But you could go out there and meet with a recruiter, put your best foot forward, and hopefully, if you were lucky, you would get the opportunity to get approved and they might want you to come down. I, I remember there were two things about that in particular. One, they handed us a little form that they wanted us to rate from one to five how we felt about all the different areas that we could potentially land in. So back then, the college program offered operations, positions, lodging, food and beverage, retail sales, transportation, recreation, and entertainment. Those were all on this form. And they wanted you to rate from five being, I really want to do that, down to one, and eh, not too excited about that how you would feel about each category. And I think they were trying to make sure they were kind of hedging and they had enough people to go into different slots. So for me, when I saw entertainment, I was like, oh, that's a five. Circled that like 10 times. Uh, food and beverage, um, okay. If I had to, I would. Maybe a, a three. I'll hawk some turkey legs and some Dole Whips. Uh, transportation, maybe a four, etc. So then I would fill that out. And then I got an opportunity to meet with someone for about 15 minutes. So Dave... My daughter, I like from the entire time she probably was young, she always wanted to do the college program. And her biggest thing was the idea of having to leave home to do it. Mm. I think it was more entertaining mm -hmm. at that point. But, you know, she always was worried, like, where would they put me? And, you know, I can just tell just from meeting you even a short period of time, like, 
you fell into the perfect category in entertainment because you do have such like a effervescent voice and, and personality. And, you know, I'm really curious, just how did that transpire from the interview process to actually being placed? Oh, that's that's a great question. So after I met with Leslie, that was the name of the recruiter that I met with, and she told me more about the college program, which was great. I guess it was originally called the Magic Kingdom College Program as it launched in 81 before Epcot opened October 1st of 82, and then they renamed it the Walt Disney College Program. So I sat with her. She told me about the program, what the expectations were, that about one in five that applied would actually get a position. So she set the expectation low that you might not get in, but if hopefully I was hoping I would. So then I got a letter in the mail and it came about maybe six weeks later after I met with Leslie. And it's, it to, I was told by my friend, Mike, who had previously participated that if it's a thin letter, eh, not gonna, not gonna be too good. But if you get an envelope and it's ballooning outward and packed with papers, you're in. So fortunately for me, my envelope was nice and puffy. So I opened it up. And I actually, in preparation of our talk today, I grabbed the form, the, the letter itself. I couldn't believe I still had it, but I do. And I won't read the whole thing, but uh, it was dated uh, October 18th of 95. And they wrote, Dave, we enjoyed meeting you on campus. And then they wrote, we're interested in having you join us as, as an attractions host with our Walt Disney World College program. And then they went out of their way to tell, tell you in the letter, we're not telling you where you're going just yet. So they said your final placement is contingent upon meeting Disney look requirements. Your exact work location will be determined later once you arrive to the program. So I knew I was in the entertainment arena and that's what I really, really wanted. So I was super ecstatic about that. It was just a matter at this point, where am I going to be? And so, uh, and also here, I think this is funny. They told me they'd guarantee me 30 hours uh, a week at a rate pay of $5 and 60 cents per hour. Ooh, <laughs> so, won the yeah, lottery there. <laughs> yeah, rolling in the dough. Exactly. I, we used to joke back then that Epcot was an acronym for every paycheck comes on Thursday. Because usually by <laughs> Monday, we didn't have a lot of money left. And so we were ready for the next paycheck. <laughs> but yeah, so that was when I, I found out that I got approved and I was super excited. Then... Once I got down there, that's when the, the real fun started. So how they were going to place us. So what they did was all of the attractions host people that were approved for that particular job, they would go into this room with some talent scouts from Walt Disney World, and they would give each one of us a paragraph to read. And they would say, all right, you've got two minutes to read this. I think it was about two minutes. And then we want you to flip it over and don't look at it again. So I didn't know it at the time, but they were testing cognitive fun function and just seeing if you could recite what you just read in, in an entertaining fashion. And everyone's category was different. So we didn't even honestly know what we were doing. This was like the original American Idol with three people up there. And then they were like, entertain us. And so uh, we, we hopefully most of us did. But mine was on Aquafresh, which is the toothpaste. So I got this and you can imagine I was a bit perplexed what I'm looking at here. So they just told me to read it and I did. So then I flipped it over and then they would go to me, hey, Dave, all right, stand up. Okay. Now tell us all about whatever you read. Uh, okay. Uh, Aquafesh, it's, it's uh, sugar's no match for the power of our cavity protection and uh, gently whitens and uh, it makes your mouth fresh and minty clean. Yay. I'm like, oh, oh boy. Okay. Uh, okay, Dave, you can sit down. Okay. 
So I'm like, I hope I did okay with that. And then go to the next person who might've had toothpicks or lilacs, or it was just random, random things. They were, they would wanted you to see what they could kind of get out of you in that really short interaction. And uh, so mine was, I'll never forget. Mine was on Aquafresh. And that sealed the deal because you got cast as a jungle cruise skipper. And that's, I feel like has to be one of the most coveted positions for someone in the college program or even anyone who's not in the college program. Um, And we've seen a lot of changes with that attractions through the years. And I'm fascinated to know what it looked like back in the mid nineties when you were there compared to now, because I feel like there's one very glaring (laughs) difference. There, there are. There have been changes through the years. And I'm not only a former cast member, I'm a fan of Walt Disney World. So through the years, I would go on, uh, now it's usually YouTube or some social platform, and, and see what the Jungle Cruise skippers are doing nowadays and see how things differed from 1996 when I was doing it, what kind of jokes they're telling today. Of course, there was the movie that came out. Are they incorporating something from the movie? And through the years, a lot has changed from the, the tribal dancers are no longer there. Trader Sam's no longer there. But the big thing for me was the guns. We actually had real guns that were assigned to each boat. These were Smith and Wesson 38 caliber guns. They were also known as six shooters. Uh, they ended up taking them off the river in, in 2001, five years after I had left. But these were real guns. I can't emphasize that enough. Uh, They ended up being deemed a little too dangerous because they were real. So if you look back at early pictures of Walt on the Jungle Cruise, you'll see him with a gun in hand. And we had these guns in a gun locker. They were very safely stored away. So after each shift at night, uh, you'd have two people that would make sure they were counting each one. It was matched up. And then we would actually walk them up to Cinderella's castle And then the next morning, same thing. Two people would go, they'd get the guns. I want to say there was 10 of them. And they each had a serial number. And the serial number corresponded to the boat that you were on, the Bertha, the Zelda, the Connie, et cetera. And you had to sign off on those as well along, you could get some ammo and you needed to make sure at the end of the night that was all accounted for again. And there was an issue one time while I was there where a gun slipped into the water and that's not good because these again are real guns and so they had to actually shut the jungle cruise down for a period of time and what they did because fortunately we knew the area that it fell they were able to use this huge magnet on a rope and they were they would were able to fish it out now anyone who's been on the jungle cruise knows the water is not you can't see to the bottom this isn't a caribbean island so it was really just hit or miss trying to grab right around where it was and fortunately, they got it within about 15 to 20 minutes. They didn't have to send in the dive team. But yeah, those were under lock and key for sure. Oh, my gosh. Well, and they shoot blanks, right? I mean, I think... <laughs> they, they shoot blanks, as, assuming okay. that uh, the person before you loaded them correctly. So there was okay. a part in the ride where the hippos are charging. And so you'd fire two shots up in the air. Actually, they used it for dual purposes because if your boat broke down, they used to tell you to fire three shots in the air. And that's how we would know there was a boat that was broken down on the river. But in the hippo pool, that's where we would fire two up in the air. And some of us Jungle Cruise captains would mess with each other a little bit. And sometimes we wouldn't always load the ammo in there. Because when you would leave your boat and the next person would come on, they just assume you put all of the 
the blanks in there. And so if we wanted to mess with each other, we might not do that. So you'd go to fire the gun in the air and there'd be nothing there. So I can't tell you how many times my friend Mike would do that to me. And I would just say, bang, bang. Well, good thing my booming voice sent those hippos running. Remind me to have a little talk with Jungle Cruise Captain Mike later. So glad he loaded the gun for us. So you could kind of have fun with that too. And people would laugh at that. So it got to the point towards the end of the tour that I was there that sometimes I wouldn't even fire it. I would do that as a joke as part of it because people seem to appreciate that too. I love that. And I love that so much of what I enjoy in that attraction is that it feels like it's like stand up. And every time you ride, even though like there are definitely some puns that you'll hear each time, I feel like each skipper kind of has their own little twist on it, which is always really interesting to me and fun. But, um, and it's like dad joke central. Like I've been on some boats where everybody's really into it. And sometimes it's like crickets. And, you know, I'm curious if you had that, that, that come up, like, what do you do when you're in a situation where like, it's nobody's reacting? I mean, it, you know, it's funny you say that because you're right. There's situations like that. And from Jungle Cruise crew to Jungle Cruise crew, it can be completely different. So you're right. And so there are times when people, maybe it was later in the day and they've walked around all day and they're just tired. They're exhausted and they just don't have the same energy they might've had at nine in the morning. It's now nine at night. I would say to them, now remember folks, a boo is better than no response at all. And since you didn't boo with that one, I'm going to tell you another one. And so I would do that and kind of play with them and kind of get their energy level back. And then they'd be like, boo, I'm like, thank you, sir. Excellent job. So <laughs> I would try to perk people up in that way. But you're right. I mean, every Jungle Cruise adventure is just that. It's unique to that crew and that skipper and that joke that they feel is right at that time. And it's so unique because, as you know, most of the attractions, it's just it's Space Mountain. It's it, it's rides that you're going on. And there's no human element in that respect as far as dictating the enjoyment level that you're going to have with that attraction. That's what it is at the Jungle Cruise. And that person up there that's commandeering the boat is going to make or break it for you. And, and I can tell you that one time. I had a gentleman, he was so sweet. And I remember this all this year, all these years later, it was, we were done. We gone around the river. I was telling everyone, you know, off your seats, on your feet and back out into those magical Disney streets. And so I was just closing things up and he waited. And I thought, what is, I wonder what he was doing back there. And then he came up to me and he said, young man, I've been coming on this ride for years now since the park opened in 1971. I want you to know that's the first time I actually enjoyed myself on the jungle. I said, oh, well, thank you. I was partially thinking uh, if you didn't enjoy it, you kept coming back to it. That was a little odd, but I'm very happy that I was able to make you laugh. So I didn't know what to make of it at first, but I was so happy and it made me feel so good. And at the time I just was off to the next crew, but looking back and I did like later that night and through the years, I really appreciated that. That's so I feel like that's so nice. And I, you're right, Renee, when we go on that, we do hear different, you know, there's the different puns. So Dave, what I want to know, are there any you absolutely loved, any you like absolutely dreaded that you knew were coming up and how much liberty could you take with the script? Well, there, there was a lot of liberty. So there was so many splinters in the road and 
if you go on, as we were mentioning, two different people's rides back to back, you're going to hear different jokes. It's, it was a comfort level thing. And I can give you a few examples. So when you first go on to the Jungle Cruise, right off to the side, there's a giant butterfly. Oh, and by the way, I don't know if you guys knew this. When Walt had created the Jungle Cruise at Walt Disney World, he actually wanted to have live exotic animals there. Uh, that was his first hope. The experts ended up talking him down and saying, well, the animals may not uh, cooperate, Walt. I don't know if that would be the best thing. And it made me think of that uh, Jurassic Park with Jeff Goldblum. Uh, there are dinosaurs on your dinosaur tour. So I would, was always imagining the, the animals could be scurried around somewhere. But the animatronics were cutting edge for the time. As we've moved on, they're not as cutting edge in 2023 as they were back in the early 70s. But there's a big butterfly there. And so some of the skippers would say, oh, butterflies, they have a wingspan ranging from 12 inches all the way up to a whopping one foot. For me, I went a different direction. I'd say, oh, look at the giant pretty butterfly. The scientific name for that is Plastic Acidostylis. And so you could really have some little variations. And part of it depended on the crew. If I could feel a good vibe with the crew... There was always just a little more you could kind of get away with in a wink, wink that you knew that they were going to appreciate. And the Jungle Cruise movie with Dwayne Johnson and Emily Blunt, there was a couple of jokes there near the beginning, which I laughed hysterically about because I used them. That was actually my favorite part of the movie it was near the beginning when he was doing the jokes, because, of course, I can relate to that. And the couple of them there were, oh, the rocks you see over there, uh, those are uh, in the river. Those are sandstone, but some people just take them for granted. So I would use that one. He also did a whole thing about how he used to work in an orange juice factory, but I got canned. I couldn't concentrate. Yeah, they really put the skins <laughs> on me. So I used to enjoy doing that. I'd usually segue that into, uh, before that, I was in the family business. I was a tailor, but that was just a so-so job. I just couldn't cut it. So <laughs> I would continue to hit with these ones here. And these usually would come up near the end of the river, uh, the, the journey there. But when I was on the river... The backside of water. I mean, let's talk about that for a minute. I think anyone who has gone to Walt Disney World, has been on the Jungle Cruise, has heard that and has an opinion of that. I have in a photo album when I think it was either early 80s or really late 70s, when I went down with my family, there's a picture in there of the backside of water. And of course, that's one of your 24 snaps in a roll back then. They didn't have the benefit of a camera phone to just delete it. So you used one of them on there. So I really love telling that one. In fact, I heard someone online when I was looking at the update of the Jungle Cruise to see what they were saying. And instead of H2O, someone chanted uh, O2H, O2H, which they I thought was really cute. Jungle Cruise it adventures they were saying it backwards oh see I, I think that's funny i i hadn't i didn't do anything like that uh, but for me i think that if, I, if you said dave what's your absolute favorite joke that you told every time it would be one that only hit probably 15 percent of the time and it was soon as you take a right by the waterfall and there's a couple things there. There's a plane off to the side. I'd usually say, oh, there's a down plane up ahead. That could mean but one thing. It crashed. And then we would just surf right by the plane. We'd get into the hippo pool where I would sometimes be able to use the blanks or say bang, bang, and have them go running. When they would submerge in the water right around their nostrils, water would spit out. And I would say, you may think that's water, but it's not. 
And when I would say that, there would sometimes be one or two people that would howl with laughter, but most people were like, oh, they didn't quite get it. And those were my favorite, the ones that didn't quite land perfectly, that I didn't hand it to you on a platter. You had to kind of be right on cue to hear that. So I really enjoyed that. Uh, I would, uh, another thing I would do too, which this here was a little off script, but when you would go under the waterfall and you would go to turn towards the temple, uh, you could say things and play with it a little bit. And I actually had one of my managers on my boat when I said this once, so I know it's okay. But I'd say there could be danger. There could be treasure in there. But knowing Disney, it's probably another gift shop. Still, let's go for it, guys. (laughs) And so we would do that and have some fun too. So I I enjoyed that. Uh, We'd get out into the the elephant bathing pool there. Oh, and this is where you could wreak some more havoc on people on the river. So this is funny. So with the Jungle Cruise, it's all sensors. So uh, the animatronics would be triggered based upon the boat crossing certain areas of the water so that when you get there, the elephant speaks or the crocodile opens its mouth, etc. Well, towards the end of the ride, there's a little baby elephant off to the side and the baby elephant comes out of the water and sprays and sprays water with its trunk right across the front of your boat. Now it doesn't get anyone wet, but then it comes back down and then it comes up again. And that's part of the gag. You think you're going to get wet, but there's nothing that second go around in the trunk and the jungle cruise is a dry ride. However, if you had this one boat called the Gertie, the Gertie back in 1996 was like a Cadillac, the Cadillac of boats. Everyone loved to get the Gertie because it was so fast and you could really do a little damage on the river. What I mean by that is the person behind you. So let's say I'm in the Congo Connie and I'm having a great time with my guests, bringing them around the river. Mike, who's a good friend of mine, and uh, he ended up on the Jungle Cruise. We're uh, school, school friends. It was great that Mike ended up there with me. We would... He would race sometimes through the river on the Gertie, which means that little baby elephant would come up, spray the water, come up a second time, do nothing. But by the time I got there, because he triggered the sensors so early, I'm passing that little baby elephant at the moment it has a full trunk of water. So the people on my side would get soaked with water. Now, he only did this on really hot days. I want to say that. It was really hot on these days. But those people, a few of them, they'd actually get some water on them then. And it's because he had the Gertie that he could trigger the sensor a little early. Oh, my gosh. I love love that. that You're able to figure that out. Oh, my God, for sure. (laughs) Now, Dave, I know you mentioned that there are certain things because it is Disney that you mm. have to kind of stick to you. They have their oh, own yeah. terminology, their own kind of rules. It, when you were in the college program, what can you tell us are some of those things? Like we know, I think a lot of people know about, you know, the two finger point and things like that, but what mm. are some that maybe people don't know about? Yeah. So that's a, a great point. When we, we went through these business seminars and they really were talking to us about Disney and, Michael Eisner, how he saved them at the time. And then they were talking about the proper Disney terminology and performance excellence and what makes a cast member. And it didn't matter what your role was, whether you're an attractions host or not, you had to adhere to some some real standard Disney guidelines. And like making eye contact and smiling is a real basic one. That's a staple. Uh, greeting and welcoming each and every guest and actually seeking out guest contact. 
providing immediate service recovery. They had this whole program called No Strings Attached, which really empowered the employee, the, no, I said it wrong already, the cast member, I'm so sorry, the cast member, I'm thinking of my current job, the cast member to go ahead and go above and beyond and really help out if there's a situation that warrants it. Maybe you overheard that it's a little girl's birthday and they would allow you to uh, write on this little card, oh, this entitles Sabrina to a goofy t-shirt on Main Street. And so you could do things like that, which was fantastic. Someone dropped their their Mickey ice cream or something like that. You could go ahead and it empowered us to uh, get get them a new ice cream. So I, I really loved that. And the whole culture of Disney World, as you guys both know, is extremely inclusive. And they had a whole list of Disney terminology that they wanted us to adhere to. And I think, as you mentioned, some of the common ones uh, are that we're cast members. We're not working we're on stage versus off stage we're on breaks the disney point as you mentioned with two fingers or four fingers uh, they would never want you to slouch or or kind of lean on anything so you would have your hands behind your back and you would have your hands like kind of in a way that your fingers could extend to the wall and you could get a little bit of rest that way but they didn't want you to have your shoulders or your back against the wall that would be bad show so there were ways that you could feel more comfortable as you were maybe a little bit fatigued later in the day, but they certainly wanted to adhere to a certain standard. And uh, you'll never hear that a ride is broken down at Disney World. It's uh, experiencing technical difficulties. Uh, we don't give away anything. We provide it. We, we don't buy things. We purchase them. We don't help you. We assist you. Uh, there's no reservations. There's priority seating. It's not a free item I gave Sabrina. That was complimentary. So it was a whole culture that they cultivated and we all bought into. And that's one of the reasons Walt Disney World is so loved and revered that I saw instances where adults would leave their children with cast members because maybe another child has run off and they're just trying to chase down the other one. And they're like, oh, Captain Dave, can you watch my, my little girl? I'm like, oh, oh, sure. Because they they trust us and they feel like we're there to help them. And we were. We certainly were. You guys, I left my kids with a cast member once. Uh, just total, because or like totally selfish reasons. <laughs> nope. We did the minivan from the airport and they took us to our resort, but we were late for the, remember they used to do the villains after hours. We were late. So he let us continue on the way and we had to drop our luggage. And I'm like, can you just watch our kids? And he's like, uh, okay. And so he did. <laughs> we dropped the luggage in the room and my husband just looked and he's like, did we just leave our kids with a stranger? I'm like, no, it was a Disney cast member. We're totally fine. And they were, they were fine. So so thank you, Dave, for your service. Um, (laughs) Now, now I want to get into like the good stuff because I feel like you guys know what's going on. So you must see a lot. So what I want to know, did you have any fun, like celebrity sightings or encounters? Because I feel like the cast members know when there's a VIP in the park. We do. Yes. And there's those plaid jackets where they have the VIPs that come around or we call them super greeters at the time. And so if you key in on them, you'll probably see someone or there's a chance that you might know the person that's walking beside them. And for us, the biggest person was Oprah. Oprah's show at the time was huge in 1996. And she did an entire 
uh, I think it was a two show episode, if I'm not mistaken, of Behind the Magic. And so she came down, she went into the underground city, she got her hair cut, she had food under there, and she came over to the Jungle Cruise to hang out with us. She put on a Jungle Cruise costume, which is great. Actually, my colleague, Wade, he was a Jungle Cruise captain. He was with Oprah throughout the, the two days there that she was there with us and was taking her everywhere. It was kind of nice. And so she got to hang out with us or we got to hang out with her and she did a little bit of the spiel and we taught her some jokes. So that was a lot of fun getting to spend time with her. And then just as far as other celebrities that we saw at the time, uh, Demi Moore and Bruce Willis were together. Those, that was a power couple. Uh, there were like Steven Tyler from Aerosmith. I remember all the guys at that time were like, is live with you, Steven? Is live with you? <laughs> um, just me. Uh, okay. So you we were looking for, <laughs> all right, exactly. Uh, Jimmy Buffett. Oh, uh, at the time, uh, Kathy Lee Gifford was doing the Regis and Kathy Lee show. She was probably at the peak of her, her fame at the time. And she came to the jungle cruise with her kids. And there was this joke that we would tell at the end. And this goes back to us talking about the different ways you can splinter off with the spiel or things that you say. And one of the jokes at the end was, Hey, I hope you had a great time on the jungle cruise today. If you did, well, my name's Dave and you've been on the world famous jungle cruise. And if you didn't, well, then my name's Kathy Lee. And this has been a carnival cruise. Now, she was big on carnival cruises at the time. She was everywhere. So she came to the jungle, and she got on uh, Michelle's boat, and I begged Michelle to tell that joke. I'm like, you have to say this to her. Please, please. So I talked to the VIP greeter, and I told him the joke. And I said, do you think she would get a kick out of that? He said, oh, my God. She has an amazing sense of humor. She would think that's fantastic. But Michelle, so Michelle's turning the corner and I'm giving her the thumbs up and she's looking at me and I can see the anguish and the fear in her eyes. Like this woman, Kathy Lee, I've been telling this joke for months. She's right. Uh, she's by my knee. She's right there. Like I could breathe on her. I can't pull the trigger. Oh, no pun intended with the guns. I can't do it, Dave. I can't. So she said, uh, so she didn't do the joke. And I was so, so bummed that all of us that were on the dock area who were unloading guests, we were, I mean, we razzed her for that you know for weeks after that like oh you represented all of us that would have been so great and but it didn't happen uh another funny instance was when i went down there there was i was so lucky because i had a, a great group of people that that went down with me i mentioned earlier mike who went down for a second tour of duty he was over at mgm now hollywood studios he was at the muppet visions 3d which was sadly the last project that jim henson worked on before he passed away in 1990. I love Muppet Visions 3D. And Christy was another person that went down with us. And she was on Main Street. And so she was in retail sales and someone came in and they were looking at sunglasses. And so she ran right over and was like, oh, well, let me help you with that. And so this person was trying on multiple pairs of glasses and finally said, boy, I don't know which one I like best. They both, I think, look pretty good. And she said, well, why decide? Get them both. And do you have a girlfriend? Maybe you want your girlfriend to have a pair. So she ends up getting this huge sale. She goes back to whistling while she works. And then her boss comes over and goes, Christy, way to go. She said, oh, there's nothing. Well, no, it wasn't nothing. A lot of people freeze around celebrities and they, they, they trip over themselves and they got a bit, a bit flustered, but not you. You're my new VIP girl. She goes, well, what are you talking about? Who was that? Oh, Christy, you're so funny. You know that was Matthew Broderick. What? <gasps> what? <laughs> so the, the, she's like starting to break out in a rash by her neck. She's like, I, I just need a minute. 
<laughs> she had no idea. Oh my gosh. Oh, that's, that's crazy. That's like buying sunglasses. Yeah. And that's probably why he bought so many because yeah. he was like, great. This person's not like acting like a crazy around me. Exactly. <laughs> well, before we let you go, you were there during the, some may call fabulous or infamous um, 25th anniversary when the castle was transformed mm-hmm. into a layered delight. And you got to walk through the underground world of the Utilidors. And it was like prime, like you said, prime time for Disney at that point. And I, you know, I just got to know, like, what was, if you had to pick like the most favorite or maybe top two favorite things, what was it about this experience that just made it such an impact on your life? Well, I made so many connections, which to this day, I'm so close to the crew of people that I was a Jungle Cruise captain with. We found ourselves, all of us later on in life through social media. I mean, we were there on the Jungle Cruise so long ago, or me in particular, in January of 96, I started. Walt Disney World didn't even have a website back then. Their first website launched February 22nd of 96. So I go back a ways before any of the social media. And so I was so happy through the years that I've been able to reconnect with some of those Jungle Cruise captains and uh, talk about some stories and things that we did, which which is great. So the relationships were key, but there was a couple of things that for me really stood out that I enjoyed. So back in 1996, when I was there, uh, the Twilight Tower of Terror, the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror, it had opened over at, again, MGM at the time in 1994, and it had one initial drop. But during my time there in 96, the engineers were toying around with the idea of maybe we'll do a second drop. Maybe people would like that. So us as cast members got to uh, got to go on on the ride after hours repeatedly. We just would go on over and over again, and they would take our temperature when we got down. Like, what did you think? Was a second drop too much? Was it just enough? Or would you want more? And so we would give them our feedback and let them know. And I can tell you, everyone that I went on was like, we love it and we want more. So we kept going back and back. So this was after hours where, I don't know, nowadays after hours, I don't do anything very exciting. I might go for a walk. But back then, I was going up and down the Tower of Terror repeatedly with a crew of people. And it was it was just a lot of fun. So I enjoyed that. And then one other thing I did, which I really, I really loved, was the park at times, and this will be a little shocking to some who were there at peak hours, but the park sometimes was actually not overly populated. And you had a time where you would take what's called a dead trip around the river. It was just you by yourself. And usually this was when there was extended park hours, like 10, 11, 12 at night. And so not every boat would be filled. So they would randomly send you off. And there were times that it was just me on the boat. And I would think to myself, how great is this? Like I'd be looking up at the stars. I would actually climb up, climb up on top of the canopy and I would look up at the stars and you'd hear the gentle hum of the engine as you're going around the jungle. And I'd go right into the temple. So there was enough room I could, I could actually touch the top of the temple. And I would just think, My, is this real? I mean, I'm in this most magical place and I have this unique experience. I'm able to really cherish this moment and it was so special. And that's why 
to this day, it holds such a special place in my heart and why I always enjoy an opportunity to talk about my time at the Jungle Cruise. Oh my gosh. I love that. <laughs> and I love that you're friends with Nicole. We got to talk to you. Like yes, it's such a cool opportunity for I us. Know. Well, when we talked about coming up with ideas and cast members, I was like, I know who I'm messaging. <laughs> Well, Dave, thank you so much for being with us. I, I know we could do hours of picking your brain on things, but um, we're so happy that, that you shared your time with us. And with that, we are wrapping up another episode of the My Mickey podcast. We do hope that you guys have all enjoyed this peek behind the curtain and have an even greater appreciation for those wonderful cast members who go above and beyond to make your Disney vacation even more magical. And don't forget, if you are considering a vacation to any Disney destination or beyond, please reach out to the fabulous dream designers at My Mickey Vacation Travel, and our team will take care of all the details so you can focus on making memories that will last a lifetime. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you all real soon.